Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, Miss Jane Armour. Good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to all the special moms out there. I'm Jane, and I'm blessed to have three children. Um, their names are Megan, Austin, and Kane. I don't know if we could put up the picture here. This was taken when I took them to the Philippines for the first time um, two weeks ago. And you can see them enjoying those fresh coconuts on the side of the road. Uh, Megan is 12, Austin is 10, and we had a surprise, Kane. So he just turned six this year. But I'm thankful for all the moms here. Um, I'm thankful for my mom who gave me life while I gave her prayer life. Some of you will get that later. But um, I remember one time somebody asked my mom, who is the hardest to raise? You know, I was sitting on the corner and I was like kind of hoping like she won't say my name. And she said Jane. I was like, oh wow, that's so, well, I wasn't expecting that. So I was like, well, it's not gonna be that bad. Let me go to my mother-in-law and ask her, you know, who's the hardest to raise? So I remember one time she was over at her house and I said, you know, hey, who's the hardest to raise? You know, you had seven kids. She's like, oh, it was Micaiah. I was like, wow, okay, so you got two stubborn people and who planted this church, that's what you guys have, but um, I'm thankful for my mom and all the hard work that she did raising me, I'm thankful for my mother-in-law, Victoria, all the biblical values that, inst- that she instilled to my husband that I'm still reaping today, and I'm also thankful for the motherly figures that God put in my life. Um, I remember as a teenager, there was a time when I didn't want to talk to my mom, and God put three specific women in a, from our church, similar like what we have. Their names are Mrs. Kimba, Ateriza, and Mrs. Abubo. They were also my teachers at the school at the time. And I remember them coming alongside of me and saying, you know, uh, giving me godly advice. So this morning, whether you're a mom, you're a grandma, or you're a motherly figure to somebody, happy Mother's Day. And um, as we continue today, Back in February, Pastor preached a message on modern romance. And the character of Eve really got my attention. And he talked about Adam and Eve and so forth. And I remember sitting there and wondering, I wonder what Eve felt like when she made a decision to take the fruit and give it to her husband, and her husband committed the first sin. And that feeling of failure, really, (laughs) feeling of mistake, I wonder how she fought through that. And not only moms, fight for the feeling of failure, but we all have, I'm sure, in this room. And I was just intrigued. First of all, I did tell my husband recently, I actually envy Eve, because she's the only wife who never had a mother-in-law. <laughs> Although I do love my mother-in-law. <laughs> she never had in-laws as well. But going back to the message, um, I was just intrigued by her and how she handled that feeling of failure. I want to share a quick thought this morning. And it's this, the enemy just doesn't want to defeat us. He wants us to believe we are defeated. Genesis chapter three, verses 20 to 24, it says here, the the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now." lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden 
to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. And in this passage, we find when Adam and Eve committed sin, God had to remove them from the garden. I remember one time, my boss asked me to uh, make a reservation for a guest that was coming in town. He was actually one of our top investors. And I only had like two days left to book this lodging. And I was able to find an Airbnb. It had all the amenities. And everything was going well. I get an email from the host the day before our guest was supposed to check in, saying, hey, you know, the unit was ready. I thought, well, that's odd, because he's not coming until tomorrow. I found out that I made a mistake of booking him, booking the unit a day before the check-in. I was like, no big deal, you know, things happen. I called the host, I said, hey, you know, I made a mistake, would you be able to work with me? And he was really nice, he worked it out. The week was going well, there were some issues with the host, and the whole time I was just like, I'm never gonna book this unit again. <laughs> and after this week, I'm just gonna be so happy that this week is over. Towards the end of the week, I get an email from the host, actually, he called me, and he said, we went to the unit, and your guest belongings are still there, and the cleaners are there. And that's when that feeling of like, oh my goodness, did I make another mistake? Not only did I book the Airbnb a, a day before he's supposed to check in, I also booked his checkout day the day before he's supposed to leave. I was just, I got this like really like, you know, I felt sick in my stomach, like, oh my goodness, I have to tell my boss. I have to tell our top, one of our top investors to move. And I was just thinking of all the inconvenience. You know, I, I told my boss, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I missed that one detail, right? And, you know, we got it all worked out. We moved him to a nice hotel. And I called him personally. I said, I'm so sorry. This was, this was on me. And I just remember throughout that day, I just felt like this feeling of failure. And I was fighting through it. I felt like a loser, really, <laughs> that day. Um, everything that happened that day, I just felt like, I messed it all up. My kids came home from school, I was irritated, and I was trying to fight through that. And maybe you're here this morning, you made a mistake, and it could have been just a one-time event, but you have that feeling of failure. And that feeling of failure lingers around. Sometimes it lasts for days, it lasts for weeks, it lasts for months, it lasts for years, and sometimes for decades. And how do you fight that feeling? And I want to share again the thought that the enemy just doesn't want to defeat us. He wants us to, he wants us to believe we are defeated. First of all, if Satan can isolate you, he can influence you. Verse 3 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You know, Satan has been attacking families since day one. If Satan can take down the mom, he can take the whole family. And God gave Eve the freedom to have everything in the garden, but one fruit. And that's when Satan comes along to her and says, really, did God really say that? And Satan, mom, Satan wants to remove you from your community. I remember Satan would always get me every time I'm alone and when I'm vulnerable, when I feel weak. If you've been around Southridge for a while, this is our 14th time moving. And throughout those moves, I would find myself feeling, man, does God still care about our church? 
Like, I look at these other churches, they have properties, you know, but they don't, they, they don't ever move. And here's Southridge, like, every two years we're moving, you know, we're packing up, we're tearing down. It kind of wears you off. And those moments when I'm, when I'm weak, when I'm vulnerable, when I'm by myself, I get these thoughts like, mm, I don't know about that. Maybe God doesn't really like your church. <laughs> Maybe um, you should just quit. And Pastor can, can tell you to this day. There's times I've told him, that this, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. But moms, I want to encourage you this morning, even if you're not a mom, Satan will get to you when you're by yourself, when you're isolated. Isolation means you have no other voices speaking to your life in a meaningful way. And Satan's attacks are most effective when you're by yourself. You know, we can't control what pops in our head, but we can control how long it stays there. And that thought that gets in your head, it will take root and it will grow. And then it will soon become your identity. It could be like a one-time event. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. And you sort of stuff, I'm not going to use it again. I'm not going to use that substance. And you use it. And it, then it gets in your mind. Well, looks like you failed again. Then you start calling yourself an addict. Maybe you're struggling with anger. And you tell yourself, you know what? I'm not going to yell at my kids. You know, it's just one little thing. And then it happened. And then it sits in your head again. And you think about it. And then you call yourself, you know what? I'm just an angry mom. <laughs> or you, you find yourself, you know, you, your friends are leaving. You don't have anybody around you. Then you start calling yourself a loner. And so forth. You start calling yourself a failure. Again, these negative thoughts will get in your head. And then it will soon take over your identity. Also, <coughs> failure makes us hide. Yeah. Eve, Adam and Eve hid after they sinned. Yeah. If Satan can make you feel alone, you will start making bad decisions. It's interesting, when Adam was with Eve, everything was going well. The moment Eve isolated herself, or Satan isolated her, that's when she committed the sin. And you know what? Eve would not have eaten the fruit had she been around community. And moms, especially young moms, I know it gets lonely. You feel alone, surrounded by kids. That's when Satan gets to you. And I want to encourage you, get around seasoned moms. There's so many wonderful moms in this church, and some of you have personally talked to me. I've, I've gone to you and said, oh, this is hard. And you come along and said, you know what, Jay, it's going to get better. These kids are going to grow up. They're soon going to leave your house. And they're, they're, you know, it's just a season. But I want to encourage everybody here to get around community. Where is Satan pulling you away from? I know this is hard for single moms, especially, because Satan puts a shame in you, saying, you know what? Didn't work out. I'm so sorry. And you feel that defeat in your heart. And I want to encourage the single moms here. People are always going to have opinions about you. But remember, they're not in the game. They're just spectators in the arena. And sadly, these opinions come from people that you love, from your family, from your close friends. But they're not in the game. You are in the game. You get to be there with your children. And this is your journey. Not only will Satan isolate you so he can influence you, disappointment will lead you to discouragement. Um, not only, uh, after Eve committed the sin with Adam, the second important thing that happened in her life was found in uh, Genesis chapter 4. It says here, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Let me just stop here. Moms, you're not alone. God can help you and God will help you. It says also in verse 2, And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Let me just stop here. As I was, as I was reading these verses, I thought, wow. Like gave, uh, Eve gave birth to two children. And it was literally in two verses. Like the Bible was like, oh, you know, she just popped two, two boys. <laughs> and thinking, wait a minute, she was the first one to experience the curse of sin, right? There's supposed to be pain in childbirth. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> but um, the next few verses, if you're familiar with the story of um, Cain and Abel, they gave the offering to God, and God rejected Cain's offering. And this one breaks my heart as a mom. Verse 8 says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. As I was reading these verses, I wonder what Eve felt like when she found out the news that not only her boys were fighting, but one of them killed the other brother. Like the Bible doesn't mention that. But I was just thinking through that. I wonder what that felt like. She became motherless like at that moment. She only had two boys, and one of them killed the other. You know, disappointment can define you. It can be disappointing, moms, to find out that the fruit that you that the fruit that you planted is not there. You t we teach our kids to love one another, to be kind, and then you see them fighting. You teach them to work hard, and then they fail because they're lazy. You teach them to have self-control, and then they you know they become angry. You teach them to love Jesus, and then they make bad choices. And all these things, you start thinking, I'm a bad mom. It becomes your identity. Not only can disappointment define you, disappointment can also derail you. Satan loves to bring these negative scenes to make you out of the game, to make you quit. So then you find yourself doing subtle things every day. You stop having hard conversations with your kids. You know, you stop investing the same way with passion and intentionality. You just kind of get through the day. You know, man, this is hard. I, I just kind of give up. But remember, God wants you to keep going. Keep parenting and trust God with the fruit. Our kids will disappoint us. We live in a broken world. And we can't control their choices. They're going to mess up. But allow them to have room for mistakes and also grace to come back. Because God is helping you. You're not alone. I recently read during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln issued an order for that for a certain time, nobody was supposed to go on furlough. There was a soldier at the time who made his way to the nation's capital and wanted to see the president because his wife was dying. And he wanted to see her before she goes. Well, sure enough, he goes through the guards and said, nope. You can't see the president. With so much desperation, this man just quietly walked back down the street, found a bench, sat down, and just started crying uncontrollably because he wants to see his wife is about to die. Not, not long enough, a little boy walked by and said, what's wrong? So he told this boy, you know, my wife's dying. I want to see her before she goes, but the president gave this furlough that nobody's allowed to go home. This boy said, very well, take my hand and I'll let you in. 
with desperation, this man goes with this boy, and this boy says, I'll get you to the president. They walk past the guards, they walk past the secretaries, they walk past the government officials. Finally, they got to the door of the office. The man said, nope, sorry, president is busy. The little boy says, daddy, I'm here at the door, open it. And sure enough, the doors were open. This little boy told the president, uh, Tad Lincoln told Abraham Lincoln the, this, the, the man's story, and sure enough, Abraham Lincoln grabbed his pen, dipped it in the ink, and signed the furlough. And that story reminds me, sometimes moms, you feel alone, and you can't find any support. And this morning, I want to remind you, Jesus is saying, I'll get you to the Father. Amen. And he did that when he died on the cross for you. He's saying, I'll get you the resources that you need. You're out of strength, let me give you the strength. You don't have encouragement, let me, let me give you the courage that you need right now. You're out of joy, God says, let, Jesus said, let me give you the joy that never ends. And I just love that part. Jesus did the same thing for us. And lastly, not only this, Satan isolates us so he can influence us. He also uses disappointment to discourage us. This is my favorite part. It's not the problem itself, it's how we react to the problem. What you do after the problem is what matters. Verse 25 says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me for another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, Seth means appointed by God. Seth means a substitute. Eve reminded herself that God still has a plan for her life. Even though, you know, throughout the whole, the, the whole event when she finds out, wait a minute, what happened? Did I not spend enough time with Cain for him to do that to Abel? And moms, you know this feeling. Did I not pray enough for him? You know, why did he do this? What did I miss? And this time she reminded herself, I'm gonna have another son, and his name was Seth. And this is my favorite part. If you walk away from today, please don't forget this. Eve not only reminded herself that God still has a plan for her life, but God is still good. Moms, in those late nights, the difficult times when no one's around, God is still good. The shame is there if you allow it to stay. But here's the best part. Adam and Eve had Seth, Seth had Enosh, Enosh had Kenan, Kenan had Mahalel, stay with me here, Mahalel had Jared, and Jared had Enoch. Verse 19 said, Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Throughout the Bible, there's only two characters who never experienced death, and it was Enoch and Elijah. And as they, both characters were walking with God, and God just took him to heaven. You know, Eve never met Enoch. Eve never knew that six generations later, God would redeem her story. 
that Enoch would be the one who would walk with God. Not only that, it gets better. Enoch had Methuselah. Methuselah had Lamech. And get this, Lamech had Noah. We all know who Noah is. Verse 28 says, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and he called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. I love that part. You know, like I said, Eve never got to see Enoch. She also didn't know that Noah was going to come out. Whether you're, whether you're in the Christian world or not, when people say, Noah and the ark, everybody knows Noah. But we can trace Noah all the way back to Eve. And I love that part that Eve did not give up. She kept going. Even though two of her boys, or one of the boys, messed up, she kept going. Moms, when you think you're not enough for your kids, you're right. Because Jesus is enough for you and your kids. Amen. And this mom guilt really gets us. Mom guilt says, you need to do better. You need to be better. And Jesus said, you are, Jesus said, the gospel says, Jesus is more and better. Mom guilt says, you need to be perfect. The gospel says, Jesus is perfect for you. Mom guilt says, failure is final. Gospel says, failure is forgiven. And this morning, I pray that the gospel will be louder in your life than all the guilt. In closing, in January, sorry, during COVID 2020, um, I told my husband that the cruise ships were on sale. And I have a picture here of our every year we take family vacations. Um, years ago, I told my husband, I don't want to give the gifts, I don't want to give our kids gifts because they forget. I forget what type of gifts they get. We're going to save up the money and we're going to take them on vacations. And so twice a year, we take them on vacation. And during 2020, you may be familiar, there's a lot of restrictions. So the tickets were super cheap. And I said, let's go on a Disney cruise. And um, I knew we weren't going to go right away. So you know, I said, hey, let's just go buy them. And I remember getting an email saying, we extended the restrictions, you know, but we're going to get you 30% back if you rebooked. Guess what I did? I revoked. So 2021 went through, and I remember December 2021, because we're going to sail in January 2022. So December 2021, we were all ready. I told my husband, you know what? The last week of December, nobody's allowed to leave the house. I don't want to get exposed and get a negative and get a positive COVID test. Because one of the requirements is you need to get a negative COVID test 72 hours before you board. So here we are. Everything was going well. Um, end, of end of December, and we sailed first week of January. So we get in line, not knowing that the first week of January, the state of California also mandated every kid, every student, before they go to public school to get tested. So I remember the lines, and you may remember, you stand in hours. So everything went well, we all got, our, we got, we got all tested. We flew to Florida, we were on the port, and um, my negative test came back. Pastor's negative test came back. Megan's negative test came back. Kane's negative test came back. And this was the day of, right? We're waiting for one more, Austin's. My parents were there, we got to go. And um, we were waiting, we were at the port. We told the team crew our situation, hey, we're from California. They were processing literally like 7,000 tests every day. 
So their backlog, you know, we called Kaiser. They're like, you know, we, we don't know where your son's test is. We were just waiting and waiting. And the manager was nice enough. He said, well, you guys can board last and I'll extend it 30 more minutes. So we were waiting, the kids were praying, God, give, give Austin's negative test back, you know, right before we get on the ship. And it was our first time. Mind you, before that, I got all the kids throughout the waiting period, we would watch YouTube videos, you know, what are the activities on the boat? The kids made a list of the things that they're gonna do. So we were all excited, you know, we got our Disney gear on and the pastor said, you know what? You guys can go ahead, I'll wait with Austin. I said, that's fine. So we get on the boat and I told the kids, my parents, I told them, don't worry, Austin and dad are gonna be here soon. So we get on the boat and I remember my husband calling me saying, we didn't make it. And that thought of my son and my husband not being on the boat, like just ate up everything inside of me. I felt like a failure. Like, Jane, you planned this. Look, your son's gonna be traumatized the rest of his life. And I was sitting there, you know, I, I rushed to the register and I said, hey, is there any way you can please like wait 30 more minutes? They're like, no, we gotta go. And I said, well, can they meet us at the Bahamas? They're like, no, there's COVID lockdown. I said, can you give them Disney World tickets? Come on, like my son is crying, you know? And they said, we can't do any of that. The whole, the whole um, cruise went by. My husband was really nice to take Austin. At the time he was only 10, um, sorry, nine. Um, he took him to Universal Studios, he had a blast. And we came back, gave him a big hug after the cruise. It wasn't a fun trip, I'll tell you that. In fact, this picture was taken at Cracker Barrel because that was the only picture that we took from that cruise. We got back and I had to tell the teachers, please don't ask anything about the cruise because he's literally devastated and he's embarrassed. My husband, I remember calling me as soon as we got on the boat saying, Austin is crying and he starts hitting himself because he said it's his fault. And mom, if you're in this room, when you see your son, your, your child disappointed when you see them hurting, you just wanna take away that pain from them. You'd rather like feel it, because it, it eats you up. And it, it you know, it, I hated that feeling. And the, anyway, the whole week went by, we got in the car, I remember driving home, and anytime there's an ad about the Disney cruise, Austin would say, mom, please turn it off. I didn't wanna talk about it. I said, no, I understand, buddy, you know, I'll turn it off. Didn't wanna talk anything about it. And I remember one time the ad came on, on Spotify. And I reached over to him, we were driving, and I said, Austin, I know you hated that. And I did too. And I wish I could take it back. And I don't know what, God, what God's plan has for you, but I know it's gonna be great. And I told him, you know, David had to fight the bear and the lion. The Bible said he was a young teenage boy. Where was his mom? Where were his brothers? Where did, did they just send him off in the field? And I told Austin, those times prepared him to fight his Goliath one day. And I told Austin, Austin, I don't know what God has for you. I don't know which Goliath you're gonna face one day. But whatever happened on that Disney cruise, the disappointment that you felt, God is gonna use that one day. And moms, we hate when we see our kids go through that. And I wanna encourage you that God still has a plan. You know, Eve did right. And look how it all got remembered. She gave back to God the trust that she lost. 
How do you get over that feeling of failure? Instead of giving up, try again, and you will see the results. God rewrote her story. And even through our mistakes, I want to remind you here, God will still mold our kids. I love Romans 8.28 where it says, that God works everything for our good. We're going to mess up along the way. Our kids are going to mess up. They're going to disappoint us. But God still has a plan. And this morning, I want to remind you, is, is Satan isolating you so he can influence you? Get around community. Get around godly people. Is, has he been using discouragement, disappointment to get to you, to derail you? And then lastly, what you do after the problem is what matters. Don't give up. Keep loving on that child. You know, you'll never be a perfect mom, but you can be a praying mom. Every blessing, every miracle, every breakthrough is because of a prayer that was either prayed over you or prayed by you. And moms, this is our greatest legacy. We can read so many books on life hacks, uh, practical things, but we have an eternal weapon. We get to pray over our kids. Every night before I go to bed, I go upstairs, go through each kid's rooms. I just put my hand over them. Sometimes they're awake. <laughs> Sometimes they kind of like peek, you know. And I just pray over them. And moms, I want to encourage you to do the same. Sometimes as you're driving, God will, will, will bring that name of your son, of your child, of your grandkids. Pray over them. That's your greatest weapon. Fight your way through isolation and discouragement. Let's continue to God. Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.